0: It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe.
1: Well, we're going to have a lot of fun on today's episode, a new kind of show here on Make the Dough Rise. We're turning the show over to you, our listeners, and answering your questions throughout the program. We've got a wide variety of topics we'll be able to hit on today, so do not miss it. This will be a good one. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, your certified financial planner at LivingWorth Wealth Advisors, serving the Lake Country and beyond with an office based out of Greensboro, Georgia. You can find us online at livingworth.com. Brian, it is good to be with you once again. You enjoying your summer so far?
0: Yeah, we're enjoying the summer, but uh, we're having a crazy little time with COVID. I'm still a little congested trying to get over it, but it's getting it's working its way around the household, but slowly, which is odd because I thought with everybody cooped up in one place, it would yeah spread. But uh, and with how three of we're us got it, then, this
1: new strain is like really you know spread very easily. You would think it would be like wildfire.
0: Yeah, it, it and. Uh, hannah got it about three weeks after i did and then this more hannah's had it for about four or five days now and this morning laura said i may not be feeling so well so we'll we'll see what happens
1: well i'm just glad that i get to host this show remotely with you so we don't have to, exactly you don't have to pass it on to me my friend so now i'm glad that you're feeling better your, your energy level is back right just dealing with some con- congestion and that sort of thing
0: yeah, I would say probably 80, 90 percent. Okay. You know, I, I I tended to sink in the afternoons anyway, but uh, now I now I really sink in the afternoons.
1: You're still noticing it just a bit. It's just a little bit, not bad. It, is it affecting the pizza making? That's the important question.
0: No, we've cranked up the pizza making. We're we're okay, making good. lots and lots of pizzas.
1: That I mean, there's one anecdote for COVID. Could be more and more pizza might it, might be helpful. At least it'd be a good side effect. Bring a little joy to uh, to your yeah. day to counteract maybe not feeling hundred percent. So that's great. Glad you're still making the dough rise, my friend. Oh, yeah, uh, always. Well, we have assembled some listener questions, uh, folks that are interested in finances and planning for retirement. And, uh, boy, these run really uh, kind of the, the gauntlet of all sorts of different types of financial planning topics. So I can't wait. Mm-hmm. We get to cover a lot of ground here, Brian. Uh, you ready to answer these? Yeah, fire away. I love questions from clients and, and listeners. So this, this will be good. If you want to submit a question to be featured on a future show, if we do another mailbag edition of the program, you can certainly go to livingworth.com and use the contact forms on the site to get in touch with us that way. And of course, you can always ask your questions privately to Brian as well. Livingworth.com, again, the place to go for that. All right, first up is going to be Richard in Atlanta. And Richard says, I have a weird situation. I've been very aggressive about funding my IRAs and 401ks over the years, so I have close to $2 million in those accounts. But I'm only 54 and suddenly find myself needing cash for a major home repair that I didn't expect. I feel poor because I have less than $5,000 in the bank because of all my money being tied up in retirement accounts. Should I just take money out of the IRA and eat the penalty that I'd have to pay for taking it out early?
0: Yeah, that, that is a great question. That's, a, that's actually a pretty big question. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different angles we could look at here, but this one hits really close to home because I've, I have a very high savings rate. I have a very high uh, cost of living. So I too do not have lots and lots of money sitting around in my checking account. And just recently, I've had two instances with my air conditioning unit that you know, my house is just old enough that I'm like, oh, crud, I hope it's not failing. I'm going oh, to no. spend thousands of dollars. And the first one was a broken, if, something on the fan. And, and then the other one, a, a baby squirrel had gotten in the drain pipe in the in the attic and was backing things up. So, you know, three three dollars $400 repairs, it still wasn't fun. But this idea of having to spend uh, a large, unexpected amount for you know, a roof or an appliance or, or something like that. I guess it comes down to how much, you know, do you really need to get your hands on? And then from there, so, so let's look at it as, should I take money or borrow money from an IRA or a 401k? If you're still, you know, 54, and in this particular case, he has done a phenomenal job of getting that $2 million mark in there. That That's excellent at, at age 54. So you've already done the hard part. You've funded aggressively, and so you've got uh, a good balance in there. I, I can't imagine. You know, I, I don't know how how big of an expense he's talking about, but if, if it was anywhere from five to you know, maybe fifty thousand dollars on the high end, you know that fifty thousand dollars is not going to put a unrecoverable dent in your savings. What we're really looking at here is trying to avoid that that penalty, right? Cause that's, you know, it's going to be 10% of what you take out as the penalty. And I presume if you're still in a high earning bracket, you would not need an extra, you know, tens of, or, you know, $50,000 hitting your tax return. So you're, you're going to pay a very high tax rate and you're going to pay the penalty. So your, your cost of taking that early withdrawal could be as high as 40 to 50% pretty handily. So I would not recommend that. I would I would find a way. You know, 54, you got, you've you got 59 and a half is when you can start taking penalty-free withdrawals. So we've got, you know, five and a half years here still to go. You know, And maybe it's five if he's already 54 and a half. But the first place I would look is the 401k. A lot of 401k plans will allow you to take a loan. Uh, you should find out what the cost of that loan is. And arguably, you're your, Kind of giving yourself some interest and can pay the, the the loan back to yourself, so that would be a better strategy uh, than taking it out of the IRA, where you would just incur the full tax and penalty. But if you're going to take a loan from a 401k, you need to make sure you're going to continue to be at that employer for the duration of the time it takes you to to pay it off. I have a lot of people who, oh, I'm you know I'm 54, I'm. I'm in my stride with this company I'm going to you know be here till I'm 65 and they get a few years down the road and they find out the company has other plans for them they've restructured they've reorganized they've they've had you know changes in their their business and all of a sudden if you're no longer working at the company where you've taken the 401k a lot of times especially if you go to roll that over you're going to get hit with that unpaid balance of the of the 401k loan and you're going to have the same problems, taxes and, and penalties. So if you feel secure with your tenure there, the, the 401k loan might be a good way to go. So let, let's rule out the IRA withdrawal. Let's look at 401k loans, and, and you can do a cost benefit analysis there. Or how's your cash flow? Right? If if you're spending all of your excess cash flow, then you know, maybe you don't have extra cash for paying off a loan to to do this. But If you have access to some of these promotional credit cards or promotional loans, I use these all the time. We got to buy a new piece of furniture. I need computers and stuff for the kids. You know, I've got Apple accounts. I've got Synchrony. And you can get 12 to as much as 36 months of interest-free and you know, if you pay it back on time, there's no real cost and penalty. So if you have good cash flow, a little bit of excess cash flow, or, and again, because he has saved so much, that $2 million, let's say you stop funding, uh, aggressively funding your retirement savings. That $2 million now has the ability to probably grow to about $4 million, you know, pretty handily over, over the, you know, based on historical returns between 54 and 65 it could double again between 65 and 75 when RMDs hit. And we have talked many times in the past about the tax bomb that comes from delaying or having too much in retirement accounts. So this is actually a situation where you could stop funding uh, for a few months or a year, the amount that's going into your 401k and use that to to pay off one of these promotional or or interest-free loans. And some of the providers I've run into are Synchrony, uh, Green Sky was doing a lot of that. Uh, I think Goldman Sachs bought them out, so I'm I'm pretty sure my Apple card goes through Goldman Sachs now, which is kind of surprising that Goldman Sachs is involved in con- uh, little consumer credit loans like this. And uh, you know, Wells Fargo. There, there's a bunch of different ones out there. So I would go to the vendor uh, of what you're trying to purchase. And, you know, Home Depot and some of these have these, these interest-free programs. So I think there's a lot of good ways to avoid the penalty, avoid the high tax, and you're not going to jeopardize your savings in this case.
1: Great points there. And really good question. Thanks for sending that one in to us, Richard. Again, if you have questions like this, send them to us at livingworth.com, or these are just good illustrations of the kinds of questions that people ask Brian during the planning process. So if you've got something like this on your mind, that might be a great launching point for beginning the conversation about you. And Walter, retirement.
0: I would say th- this one highlights how complex it could potentially be. And it depends sure. on your particular situation. So there's there's not a set pat answer to this it's it, right it goes goes back to it depends yeah
1: I mean uh, you change one variable in this question and it might change the advice entirely or Correct. there may be some hidden piece of you know Richard fi- Richard's financial life that isn't covered in a simple question like this that then changes the whole dynamic of the answer so yep. Yep. always important to keep that context in mind but hopefully with these questions we at least give you the idea of how that Process then develops from questions like this, and what possible scenarios and solutions there are out there. Sometimes that's enough to just open our eyes to what's uh, you know what's possible with proper planning. Uh, let's go to Portland, where we've got a question from Sarah. Sarah says, "What rate of return should I be getting on my investments these days? I haven't been too pleased with my accounts for the past several months."
0: Well, uh, nobody I think has been particularly You're pleased. You're not alone, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the club. I get questions like this. A lot, because people probably to a fault of the industry, we get focused on quarterly reports, annual performance reviews, and returns. Uh, obviously, the the media talks about how's how's the market done, and, and this is the this is the biggest update since March third of twenty twenty one. Like they, they find all these weird statistics that make ups and downs sound more extreme than they are. So th- this is one where you've got to back away and ask the question of what what is your time frame what is your goal with this money w- when we're in down markets obviously everybody's looking at their statements they're they're if they're just getting started they're losing money right out of the gate and that, that's not fun but this also reminds me of the question of uh, would you rather have a million dollars today or a penny that doubles every day for 30 days throw that one to you Walter what do you think
1: uh, I've heard this before. I want that penny.
0: You do want that penny because day yeah. want, it goes to two cents. Day three, two, it goes to four cents. Day day three goes to eight cents. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like you're getting a lot of. I'm, I'm feeling off. pretty
1: dumb the first week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, but if you just let that go and you get those last few doublings by the end of the month, you'll have $10,700,000 as opposed to the million dollars at the beginning of the month people, their, their minds like blown, they can't comprehend it. But sometime when you're bored, noodle it on a piece of uh, a paper and, and watch what happens. So this one comes back to don't focus on these short term quarters, year, you know, even a few years. If you're funding a long-term sensible portfolio, let it do its thing. The market being down is actually a good thing because you're buying more shares and don't look at the balance. Don't look at the returns for the quarter of the year. All of the studies that have done that have been done, and, and American Funds does a really good job of this one. They show like over the last twenty or twenty-five years, they compare. I think it's Larry the Loser and you know some other guy that gets it perfect. Larry the Loser puts all of his money in at the highest point of the market every single year, and uh, the winner puts just times it perfectly. He he buys in at the bottom every single year again you fast forward that 25 years and there is a difference obviously if you're buying at the absolute bottom you do better if you're if you're buying at the tops, you're you're not going to do quite as well but the difference was not significant both of the outcomes would be very acceptable everybody would be very happy with them and I'm deliberately not putting numbers to it because it you know there's so many variables that can happen over a you know 20 25 year time period but my point is as long as you have your emergency fund as long as you've got good cash flow and you're not constrained financially, these aren't investments for tomorrow or next quarter or next year. These are long-term investments for potentially decades. And just turn off the news if you have to. Uh, If you have faith in the quality of the investments that you've got, I wouldn't worry about it.
1: It's helpful, Brian, to get that perspective, and I hope that helps you, Sarah, as well. Uh, by the way, if you have any questions for Brian and you don't want to go through the website or email or anything like that, you like the old-fashioned way of calling, the number is 706-451-9800. You can get in touch that way, 706 451 Ninety-eight hundred. You can also check the description of today's show for ways to get in touch and contact Brian. Uh, so far, two questions down, two good answers from you, Mr. Brian. Let's get to Dan's question in Augusta. Dan says, I have a lot of blue chip stocks that I've had for years, like Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, and GE, things like that. I've been told that I should find different investments as I get closer to retirement, but I really like these stocks because I've had them for so long. Do I really need to make a change?
0: Well, this is easy. The answer is no until it's yes. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> that was a different <laughs> way of saying it depends, sort of.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I, I've, you know, being in Atlanta, you get a lot of Coca Cola, UPS. You know, Bell South became 18. Yeah, I think we talked about this you know, last time, and I, and I personally experienced this with uh, you know, having a bunch of exposure to Merrill Lynch stock during the financial crisis. And uh, I think even more recently, GE is a good example of the peril that comes with staying highly invested in a winner that has you know clearly gotten you great you know re- results over many many years, paid probably paid good dividends, and then one day it's not so good, and you know GE plummeted. Uh, Coca-Cola has had, you know, great performance through the eighties, I think was kind of their heyday. And then they had a lot of periods where they were sideways. Uh, Procter & Gamble had some, you know, fairly drastic downturns along the way. But if you know, again, probably Procter & Gamble is probably the best one on this list as far as just good, consistent, uh, long-term performance. But if you're moving into retirement and, uh, j and is another one, uh, that, that's continued to be very good and pays a good dividend. Man, if you can get one of those and you're lucky and you get the right one, it's awesome. There's no, I can't really argue with somebody who whose stock has treated them well. It's very hard to convince them that oh, something could go wrong. But if you look at the list of S and P five hundred companies, the turnover over time is pretty staggeringly high. There's a lot of good quality companies. One decade that technology changes the Market dynamics change, and they don't adapt. You know, Kodak would be a, a, a classic example. They invented the digital camera, but didn't want to cut into their uh, film paper and, and chemicals business, so they they kind of squashed it. And then it became a a particularly poor stock. So the the answer is don't fall in love with one specific company. If you've got a company that's accounting for more than you know twenty percent of your overall portfolio. And you're headed into retirement. You want the security. You need to get diversified, or you need to take some strategy. There's some more sophisticated options strategies where you can lock in a little collar or window of return for for stocks like this. If if you really don't want to sell them and and trigger the capital gains, you want to continue to collect the dividends. You want to continue to get a little bit of the upside. You could look at uh, collars uh, with options, but you know there is a cost to that. There is a you know, a little bit of giving up of, of the upside, but that may be just a uh, an ideal fit for, you know, the retirement mode. So again, it depends. Yeah, uh, no until it's yes.
1: It's another great question. Thank you for sending that one into us, sedan and uh, those blue chip stocks always feels good to have those in the portfolio. And I loved uh, your initial answer there, Brian. That was fantastic. Uh, keep doing what you're doing until you shouldn't be doing, what right. you're doing. Something, something along those lines. Uh, how about another one here from Jennifer in Greensboro, covering a lot of ground, like I mentioned, and we move over to a federal employee. Uh, Jennifer says, I'm a federal employee. I'll have a nice pension when I retire next year, but I'm wondering about the money in my TSP. Should I keep it invested there or move it somewhere else? Very good question. Now, the, these are
0: some of the happiest people I meet because they've got a great pension and uh, good benefits. And, and so what they're looking at is what, yeah, the, the TSP is a good program. They're, they're it's very uh, cost effective. It's uh you know well administered and managed. You know, so I can't I can't fault it, and say oh you can do something a lot cheaper or you know, better. But you are very restricted in your investment choices in a, a plan like that. You you may want to do some more things to dial in different types of income producing securities, you may want to do some tax strategies where you've got your brokerage account generating preferential dividends and municipal bond tax-free dividends, and then migrate your taxable bonds and real estate investment trust and uh, master limited partnerships, all those things that produce taxable dividends, put those in your retirement account. So if you're trying to deal with a asset location issue, tax efficiency, having access to more and different investment vehicles that serve your retirement needs, I'm always in favor of rolling to a, a self-directed IRA, IRA rollover specifically. Uh, it just gives you more control. You could, you've got better uh, investment options, and. If you do it to a rollover, you still maintain the ERISA protections. You know we've talked about that in the past on the podcast. So on the flip side, the regulators have gotten more strict about advisors offering and, and encouraging people to roll to IRAs. So it, it's actually become one of these things we've got to you know put some disclaimers out. Uh, It may be more expensive. There may may be different investment options, but uh, overwhelmingly, I prefer individual IRAs over 401k and, you know, TSP plans, 403Bs, 457s, whatever it is, Uh, just just because you have more flexibility and uh, options with the investment, the individual investment choices and vehicles.
1: Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Another little layer uh, for somebody to have there uh, when you hop into the federal side, just opens up all sorts of different things that you have available to you compared to maybe the everyday worker and, um, you know, the verbiage a little bit different too. So, uh, yeah, and, but and, the and concept other, is still the same. That's the important part, right?
0: Yeah. And one other thing on this is it's going to depend on, and obviously if, you've, if you just recently retired, you know, maybe uh, your beneficiaries are you know, decades down the road from receiving it. But you should look at how do they treat your beneficiaries. Do they allow the the full stretch that ten years that they have now to draw it down? Some of the retirement plans were set up as employee benefits, not benefits for your children, and so a lot of times they don't allow the full stretch duration for four hundred one ks. And and I'm not sure about the TSP. I'd have to look that up, but um, th- there may be some changes or lack of access to some of the provisions of, of an IRA that aren't available to non-spouse beneficiaries.
1: It's another great question. Thanks, Jennifer, for that one. Uh, we've got two more to throw your way here, Brian. This next one comes to us from Robert Overseas. Robert says, I think we're at the bottom of the market and we'll finish way up for the year. Time to load up stocks, do you agree? Uh, 50%, yes, I do. Okay. And the 50% that
0: I would disagree with well, okay. At the bottom, I don't know. Are we going to finish the year up? Those go back to the short-term questions. You know, What's the market going to do this month, this week, this year? I don't know. And if you think you know, you're fooling yourself because you can't predict the news. If you can predict the news, then I'll be on board with your predicting what the market's going to do. The Russian invasion of Ukraine and uh, you know major events like that certainly show that you can't necessarily predict what, what's going to happen in the news in the next three, six, nine, twelve 12 months. And therefore, you know, the impact that that's going to have on the market, you can't predict either. But when we're 20%, 30% off, like some of the major indexes are, especially the NASDAQ, uh, I would much rather be buying at a 20, 30% discount than not buying. So if you have funds that are for long-term investment, you may not nail this as the bottom and we may not be up by the end of the year. But three, five, 10, 15 years out, I think you'll look back on right now as a relatively good time to invest.
1: All right. Very helpful. And another great question. Thanks, Robert, for that one. All right. Let's get to the last one here from Erica in Atlanta. Erica says, I'm 61 and have never had a financial advisor. If I've made it this far on my own, surely I can make it the rest of the way, right?
0: Well, wow, that's a pretty loaded question for me. But um, <laughs>
1: yeah, this this is a good, I get this
0: more often than you would think because a lot of people do a very good job of saving they they fund their 401ks their you know the retirement plans at work they get a little bit savings and brokerage account uh, going they buy some mutual funds or low-cost index funds and during the accumulation mode there's there's a lot more that has to do with you know sources of income and how much you're saving and, and capturing matches and things like that if you do that and just let put it on autopilot you can get to a good uh, account balance in your in your retirement and savings accounts, and feel like, hey, look, I've, I've done this. But we have talked about this many, many times. There's a huge transition that happens between accumulation and distribution. All of these rules, all of the uh, social security claiming, and how does this affect your you know, Medicare supplements and beneficiary designations and required minimum distributions, getting the right stuff in the right types of accounts for maximum tax efficiency. I had a call recently where uh, very early on she, there was a lot of things that we could do to help. But at, at the end of the day, she's like, well, I'm, I'm not really interested in working with an advisor you know, to manage my assets. And, and over the long term I want somebody to make my plan for me and I'll, I'll implement it. And I, I just, I kind of had to bow out on that one because most people even if you give them the ideal plan today their circumstances change the laws and rules and regulations change and i've never seen actual anyone actually implement everything correctly by themselves they keep high cost mutual funds in there they get the wrong types of assets and different types of accounts for tax planning they don't look at the long term implications of you know when should you take money from iras when should you claim social security and there's no way that I, I devote my full-time uh, job to keeping up with all of this stuff and practicing it with you know, many, many clients, and I, I struggle to keep up and make sure we're doing everything right. We're constantly adding tools, computing power, uh, and things to help analyze and, and look at not just portfolios, but tax consequences, all the programs, legal implications, and estate planning. Uh, if you can do that on your own, you know, go for it. But I will bet you that. A good financial advisor would would do better. Now, a bad financial advisor, yeah, d- do it on your own, but uh, you'll have to go back and you know, listen to some how to choose a good financial advisor you know, type uh, episodes to to make sure you're picking the right one.
1: Yeah, that's a really fantastic point, and hopefully that gives you some guidance there, Erica, and uh, points you in the right direction. Lots of things to think about on today's show. Loved covering all this ground, all these different topics, and. You know, if you sound like one of these question askers on today's show, if you kind of hear yourself saying, well, I've got a question that sounds a little bit like one of these, or I can picture myself asking a question on the show, we invite you certainly to reach out and ask those questions. We can feature them on the show if you'd like. But honestly, the best way to do that planning and to get those questions answered put it in context with your financial plan and you do that by setting up a time to meet with Brian Doe and the team at Livingworth Wealth Advisors. So if you're struggling to let's say prioritize your financial goals, if you need that plan for where and how to save, or if it's help with investment management that you're looking for, you can talk to Brian about these kinds of things. He's got 20-plus years of experience. He's been through the ups and downs of the market and has guided people through these types of times that we're living through right now before. He's a certified financial planner, which is a certification that's the standard of excellence in financial planning. If you don't know, CFP professionals meet rigorous education, training, and ethical standards, and they're very committed to serving their client's best interests today to prepare them, that's you, for a more secure tomorrow. So what I would invite you to do is call today or schedule online a free 15-minute complimentary call with Brian See if you can get some clarity around the financial goals that you have, help you prepare for the future, and see if you'd be a good fit to work together. Uh, You can go to livingworth.com and click the book a call button. Again, livingworth.com and click book a call, or you can dial 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800, and you can get in touch with Brian through the phone that way as well. Brian, thanks for answering all these questions and uh, putting up with some rapid fire uh, responses and wide range of topics. And hey, we'll do uh, some more great content on our next episode. Yeah, these were great. I, I love questions like this
0: and uh, could probably talk all day on, on some of these. So keep them coming and we'll we'll do our best to, to answer them in a future episode.
1: You got it. And I uh, hope you and the family feel better from uh, your, your brushes with COVID recently. And we get you back to 100% soon as well. Uh, For everybody listening, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit makethedoughrise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to makethedoughrise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory service is offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.